Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I am here with my buddy, Dr. Aaron Maskar. Uh, we are talking about innovation in the vet space. We start off talking about innovations in veterinary care that is going to move diagnostic and screening into the pet owner's home. And so, uh, if you're interested in how technology is going to make uh, pet owners more savvy and also put diagnostic and screening tools into their hands and how this changes the way that we're going to work with them in the future. This is a great episode. We uh, we start talking about that. We kind of use that to talk about innovation in general. I ask Aaron about what he's most excited about uh, with innovation in the vet space. He's really neat. He's, he's the executive director of the Vet Innovation Council. So he, he thinks a lot about this. He sees a ton of startup companies and people having ideas about innovation and where vet medicine might go. And so he's just, he's got this really neat perspective on the bleeding edge of technology and innovation in vet medicine and where it might go. So anyway, this is a really neat thought provoking episode. Guys, I hope you'll enjoy it. I really enjoyed making it. As you, you'll hear on this, I like Aaron a lot. I, I like to give him a hard time. And, uh, and just sort of push him and make him try to commit to what he thinks is gonna happen. And so anyway, we, we do that. It's really fun. Let's get into it. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We wanna help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Aaron Massacre. How are you? I'm fantastic, Andy. Man, Thanks it's good me. to have you here. I, I, it's been this has been too long coming. I, uh, I love when we get to sit down and talk. For those who do not know you, you are man. You are you are an interesting person. You have had a lot of different titles, doing a lot of different things. You are currently the executive director of the Veterinary Innovation Council. Why don't you talk a little bit about what the vet Veterinary Innovation Council is? It sounds like a group of people, like robed people, who meet <laughs> in a in a secret location to discuss what will happen in vet medicine in the future. You know, you're you're probably like 66% right. So this the locations are secret, and we do talk about the future of veterinary medicine, but nobody wears robes. Oh yeah, um, or tassels or anything like that. Um, yeah, so it's a sponsor-driven organization. It's a 501c6, and we look at the future of veterinary medicine. Um, we have one conference every year, the Veterinary Innovation Summit. And then when we're not focusing on that, we're focusing on some of the trends. So we've looked at things like telemedicine, um, nurse practitioners or mid-level providers. Um, right now, we're focusing on access to care. Uh, and we're looking at a couple of other things like super sexy topic, interoperability. Yep. Everyone wants to know about that. Um, AI. What is that? What is interoperability? So you know how um, PIM systems, like they do not communicate with each other at all. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's basically trying to create the framework so that those systems can communicate with each other. And it's not even that, like. And you call that interoperability? That's not, that's not a word at all. You just made that up. That's not even look, a thing. Just a messenger. Just a messenger. That's, I don't uh, think that's a real word uh, for, for making PIM <laughs> systems talk to each other. That's, uh, that seems ridiculous. All right. Um, so, okay. Yep. What, else, what, else, what else you got besides PIM systems talking to each other? Big focus right now is on artificial intelligence. Um, right. So what's happening with radiology in particular, but then how's that spilling over into all sorts of other areas? Um, everything from like endoscopy to um, decision support to 
just about everything that's affecting the clinic. Like we're looking at companies who are um, using AI for inventory management, like everything that you can imagine. Companies are, yeah. are starting to use AI for that. Everything where a human being looks at information and then makes a decision. I could a hundred percent see that. Yeah, totally. Yep. That's fascinating. All right. I reached out to you because you have an article that I saw recently that I really like. It's called Home is the Emerging Care Site. It was in the last Today's Veterinary Business magazine that came out. And uh, I like that because I always like thinking about business models for vet medicine. And I like thinking about where opportunities are. And I'm seeing a real increase in home care providers, so like veterinary, you know, uh, house call vets, things like that. And sure. They, there seems to be demand from the public. I see a lot more doctors shifting over to this. I think, um, I think that there's real opportunity for entrepreneurship here. So if you're mm -hmm. a, if you're a general practice doctor and you want to work for yourself, this is the, probably the fastest way to get up and get going, you know, on your own. And so I'm looking at that and I'm sort of, I'm sort of thinking about the way that we're working and what that looks like and, and the demand that I see for those home services. And then I see your article on a home as the emerging care site. And I'm sort of looking through it and you've had a number of ideas about what sort of home-based treatments look like and home-based sort of medical opportunities look like. And mm -hmm. so for, with an innovation sort of lens, I'd like to look at the practice of medicine in the patterner's home and kind of where, where do you see that now and kind of where do you see that going? Yeah. So this actually goes back a long time ago to the first veterinary innovation summit that we had where John Ayers was there and he was talking about um, preventative wellness is a major shift, right? And this is back in like 2017. Um, and you can you can see that being the case, right? Like there's there's more and more companies who are starting to focus on that and early screening and that sort of thing. And then at the same time, you see companies like Whistle hitting the market and they were primarily a wearable device for GPS tracking and some activity tracking, right? And then they start launching some of the algorithms that they have. So uh, this was probably in 2018, maybe, where they were presenting on um, the algorithms that they were using to look at two things in particular. So one was how often is the animal itching and scratching? So they could find the hotspot before the hotspot emerged. Right? So that was interesting. Another thing that they found was when does activity levels return to normal post-surgery? So most people were thinking like, you know, within two weeks, your animal's going to be back to normal. What they found through their algorithms was that it was closer to like a month. Right? So mm -hmm. this, this goes back a ways. But then you start looking at all the direct-to-consumer products that are out there in the market now. Right? So, you know, we have um, a litter robot by Whisker. Um, we also have some other things in the house just to kind of help manage the animals. But there's all these devices that are starting to, to, collect, to collect information, and yet they don't have any real access to veterinarians. So I talked mm -hmm. with some of these companies, and I said, okay, what are you doing with this information, right? Because, you know, I'm not a veterinarian, but I've talked to a few, and they said that it'd be really helpful to know if your cat has increased urination, if the frequency with which your cat is urinating is going up, if your cat's weight is going down. Like, these are important things to know for early screening, and yet a lot of the times we're relying on the animal owner in order to figure out what's normal and what's not normal. Yeah. And the animal owner is just not around enough, right? So there's all these devices that are collecting data uh, that can inform future protocols when it comes to taking care of that animal. And yet nobody's really bridging that gap, 
right? So you want to talk about business opportunities. How are you consolidating all this data into a platform and serving that up for veterinarians in a way that it's easy to access? Like long-term, you know, is it possible that some veterinarians are basically going to look like air traffic controllers where they're sitting there with like multiple monitors and they're just monitoring things? Well, you know, that's already existing on the human side if somebody's in ICU, like they just see all the data that the, uh, the human, they're collecting from the human. But all of this exists in the home now, and yet nobody's really capitalizing on it. So that's the kind of stuff that I think is really fascinating. It's hard to tell where it's going to go in the future, but there's yeah. definitely an opportunity there. All right, cool. So why do you think, I have a theory on this, but I, why do you think that this is an opportunity that, that's not being capitalized on now? Like when you start to look at these products and you look at what's there, why do you think there's a hole in the market? Like I am, I'm not, I have my, I have my qualms with modern capitalism. However, <laughs> I do think that it's pretty generally good at looking at where there's opportunities to generate revenue and going, yeah, that, let's do that. Um, and I don't, I'm just, I, there's a reason that we don't see this going, I think. What do you, what do you think? Well, like, you know, the, the primary reason why any startup fails is bad product market fit. The second reason is timing. Um, what this requires is a veterinarian's eyeballs to be on this information. And every veterinarian that I talk to today is just overwhelmed with the amount of work that they have to do. Yeah. And so asking for that to come in and say, yeah, can you look at this? Can you pay attention to this? And it's like, look, I'm dealing with this dog that is currently dying. You know, I don't have yeah. time to look at like screening, which is, I think, another reason why AI is going to be hitting the market in a really big way over the next little while is because if they are collecting all of the data and they can standardize that data yeah. and provide understanding of like normalcy and deviance from the normalcy, then you don't need a veterinarian to look at it in a lot of ways because you can find out pretty quickly, hey, this is abnormal behavior. Most companies don't want to dip into this realm, but you know, if you think about just the amount of labor that's required, right? So if you have tons of data that's being served up to multiple veterinarians in multiple different locations, that's gonna be really challenging. But if you have like actionable insights from a veterinarian team who has built the product and built the algorithm, then you can modify a behavior at the home and you don't actually need to serve that up to the veterinarian anymore, which yeah. is not where we wanna go. You know, we wanna keep the veterinarian in the center of that care cycle. Uh, but in a lot of cases, if veterinarians don't have time for it, and you know, this is an issue we probably shouldn't wade into, but if there actually is a care shortage, um, then that's that kind of stuff is not gonna be happening very soon. Veterinarians just don't have time for it. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that that's, I think that that's spot on. I, I do see that as a real opportunity for AI. I, I think we've had products try to come to market before that are, you know, um, activity monitors and others that, you know, do, do things as far as tracking heart rate and stuff like that. And generally, generally what happens is that people find out their dog sleeps a lot more than they thought they did. <laughs> and, and, you know what I mean? And, and that like, boy, he really doesn't do much when I'm not here. <laughs> and that's, that's the big, that's the big takeaway. Um, and so it's, it's just been kind of interesting. And there's two sort of two parts of it is, uh, they're generating this data, but you're right. Veterinarians are not excited to wade into a pool of data and do data analysis. And there's really no model for compensation for that. You know, you've got a, a 25 minute appointment, uh, you know, and, and we're supposed to do significant data analysis in order mm -hmm. to do that. And you go, this, none of this fits into the model of $65 physical exam in a 20 to 30 minute block like that. 
that where does it where does this where does this interface in a way that that actually works? And so I think a lot of people struggle with that. Um, I I also think that that pet owners have have struggled a little bit with the return on investment in these sorts of things. It's a good idea, right? It's like buying mm-hmm. multivitamins. Like mm-hmm. you get fired up and you buy a bottle of multivitamins and then you go back and you're like, man, this stuff is expensive. And I didn't see significant results from the first bottle of multivitamins that I bought. And I don't know that I want to continue to pay for multivitamins for the rest of my life. And that's, 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 that's the, the headspace that young Andy had when I was like, God, these stuff costs a lot. And I don't know that it's actually, but seeing them any return. And so when you've got a healthy pet and you're monitoring them and you, you know, what's the, how motivated are people to keep going with that? It's funny. I think people, I thought a lot about this Aaron, with like um, how people are in their pets because uh, you know, I see veterinarians all the time going, man, pet spending is soaring. People are spending so much money on their pets. And I'm like, yeah, they're spending money on costumes and <laughs> they are. they're buying yeah, football totally. jerseys and sunglasses and strollers. But, mm-hmm. but, but they're not like, Oh buddy, give me this thing that's going to actually help my pet lose weight. They're like, no, I want more fatty stuff <laughs> that my fat, that my, that my pet's going to love. And yeah, he's going to pack on five more pounds, but he's going to be happy. And like, right. they don't want to think about mortality in their pets. They just want to suck the joy out of it. And like, I get it. I really do. And I'm not trying to be critical, but it's always been interesting to me. I, I think, I think for these things to work, there has the wellness healthcare part has to be wrapped into a happy package. Like it's like your own Apple watch. It's like, I didn't get an Apple watch to remind me of my mortality. You know, (laughs) like like, we're going to look at this Andy and make sure you're sleeping well. Cause you know, as you get older, your sleep's not as good and we're going to check your heart health. And I'm like, Ooh, this sounds, this doesn't sound as fun and sexy as I had originally uh, thought about. It's like, no, we're going to get you a, a watch. You can play games on. And text photos to your friends. And also in the background, it's going to be watching watching your health. But, um, but I do think of some of that. And then the other part is actually taking this and turning it into something that's that's usable. And so I think I think you make a really interesting point with AI. I, and also I think your point about most businesses fail on timing. I think that's that's a, a fun way to kind of think about business failure. But um, I think that there were probably a crop of products that were five to 10 years too early. Totally. That will probably, we'll see something similar that will work much more easily going forward. All right. Yeah. I am so proud to unveil the biggest project I have ever worked on. This is a partnership with NAVC's Vetfolio and Uncharted, which is the uh, veterinary conference that I started and run for 15 years. I have worked with people on being effective as communicators and making their practice better places to be. Now, I am so thrilled to be launching the Leadership Essentials Certificate with Uncharted and Vetfolio. Guys, these are the seven courses that I believe really believe anyone who's leading other people in vet medicine should have. This is vision and value setting. This is basic strategic planning. It is understanding different communication styles. And I have my friend Stephanie Goss uh, helping teach that session. It is uh, getting the team to buy in to new ideas and initiatives. It is how to coach and give feedback. It is how to set priorities. It is how to delegate effectively. It is how to do time management. It is the talks and the stories that 
I am probably most well known for giving. My red dot talk is in here. My GPA talk is in here. Everything about the North Stars, everything that I lay out where I'm like, this is just so essential to managing people. It's, it's the trust game. It is everything about building and maintaining trust with your team. I think that this is something that I would recommend for anyone who is a practice owner. Uh, it's anyone who's definitely who's becoming a new practice owner. It is for anybody who has especially gotten promoted up into management. It is huge for our team leads. We take people who are CSRs, we take people who are technicians, and we make them lead techs or lead CSRs, and we give them zero leadership or management training. There's no excuse for that anymore. This is uh, this is on demand yeah, whenever you want. Uh, it's broken up. It's eight hours. It's got race CE. It has the uncharted vetfolio certificate with it. It is it is there, it is accessible. I, I really hope that people will take this and put it to work. I, I went really hard on this. It has been years in the making and refining to get this content down and right. So it is it is really for is everybody who is leading and managing other people in vet medicine. I hope you will check it out. I'm so proud of it. I'm so glad to be partnering with NABC on it. Anyway, guys, I'll put links in the show note. I hope you'll have a look. Let's get back into this episode. So yeah, how do you think this progresses from here? So when we're talking about care at home, um, are there, how do we get to there from where we are? What are the next things that you think are going to happen? You know, there's some really interesting technologies that are starting to come in, right? Like computer vision um, and being able to analyze the gait of an animal in kind of an ambient device, right? So yeah. there's some interesting stuff like that. Um Usually when I talk with veterinarians about it, there's a certain level of skepticism, right? Because they're like, well, I don't really know if that's actually real or what that can. And it's like, well, it's not meant to be a diagnostic device, right? Mm -hmm. It's meant to be a screening device. So I think part of it is finding the positioning that is going to be effective, both from a company perspective and from a veterinarian perspective in order to bridge that divide. And that's, that's where I really do encourage those companies to talk about it as screening, and not as diagnostics, because the moment yeah. you say diagnostics and you've got some definitiveness rather than it being like an early detection device. Um, so yeah. I think part of it is just developing the appropriate language around it. You know, another part of it is that um, there's a major challenge for a lot of these companies because they want to work with veterinarians, but they don't really know how to access them. So they're going to like Dr. Jones down the street and Dr. Jones is like, I don't have time for this. Like, why yeah. would you bother me with it? Right. So, um, the development of something like a community of early adopters, there's, this happens in large corporations all the time, right? Where they find like these pilot sites, but for community members to self identify as like, I'm really interested in solving a problem re related to cardiology. You know, show me the companies that are doing something in cardiology. I want to know more about that. So there's a certain level of like matchmakerness that has to happen uh -huh. um, in that area that uh, currently doesn't really exist. Um, yeah, and I, I think through those two things, there's going to be the perception, at least the perception of more value for some of these companies. But for the most part, most of these companies, they'll try to work with a veterinarian and the veterinarian's like, nah, I don't have time. And then they'll be like, all right, direct to consumer, right? Well, like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to bypass it. Sure. Well, the veterinarians don't know about bringing technology products to market. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not their thing. And, and yeah, it, it's, I could definitely see that, that sort of failure to, failure to launch. You know, I, um, 
I, I like your idea, and I think you're probably right about a lot of this getting rolled up into the terms, term screening yeah. over being something that is marketed to veterinarians as diagnostic. And, and the way I, because I, I just, just started thinking about it, I'm like, okay, what will be the driver for this? Because usually there needs, there needs to be a driver. Yeah. I can 100% imagine Amazon pets mm-hmm. coming up with an app where you record your pet walking and running and it gets crunched by AI and it comes back and says, Hey, I'm worried about your pet's hips. I think you should go to the veterinarian and get checked out. The hope being that the veterinarian will say, yes, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got some arthritis in these hips, some osteoarthritis, some maybe some early hip dysplasia, and we need to get you onto a joint supplement or Mm -hmm. osteoarthritis medications or something that you would want to get on auto ship that we, the company that had the app could help you do. If you've already got our app, you're probably buying from us. And so I can 100% see drivers like that pushing those screening tools. And again, going to the pet order and saying, do this, do this video, we'll raise some flags. And then you can go and ask your vet specific questions. And, you know, it's, it's good for your pet. It's good for you to know what's going on. And also it's probably going to be good for me because you're going to come back and buy products from me based on what on the information you get. And so all of that stuff kind of makes sense. I, I got to know. So as as are the head of the Veterinary Innovation Council, uh, do people ever come to you with ideas and you're just like, that's a terrible idea? <laughs> you don't have to tell me, you don't have to tell me who. So I don't want to know examples. But again, I'm a little bit cynical about innovation in general because we always say innovation and then people are like, look, I've got a water bottle that screams when it's empty. Uh, like, you know, and I'm like, that's a terrible, like, who, who wants that? Like, well, I don't there's, know people who love yeah. babies. I don't know. There's um, <laughs> water bottles. Uh, just like peeking into your brain a little bit. Just going <laughs> to close that door back down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You don't, yeah. I've got million dollar ideas. I'll tell you what. I've got a lot of ideas. Um, yeah, it, it happens all the time, you know, there, um, and some of them are interesting and some of them are like, you know, some of them I'm like, I, I, there might be some sort of medical application for what you're talking about, but I cannot provide you with any guidance. Right. Yeah. And then some of them are just like, it's just not innovation. Right. Yeah. So there's, I, I try to help people understand that there's like a difference between, you know, true innovation, which is like disruptive innovation, which, you know, people use that term all the time and like what that actually means in a genuine sense. And then there's like stuff that's solving a problem, but maybe it's not super innovative, but it actually does solve a problem and nobody else is solving that problem. And like, that's okay. Right. But don't pitch a product that you think like just a bunch of examples that are rolling around in the back of my head, but that you think is really innovative and you want to call it innovation when it's just, it solves a problem, right? Like contextualize it appropriately. So yeah, people uh, come forward all the time. Um, For the most part, I'm able to help them, right? Because we're nonprofit. We're not investing in any of these companies or anything like that. I, my currency is information more than Mm -hmm. it is dollars. Right. And so just trying to figure out who's doing what and where and how, and how can I help them? Because um, yeah, some, some, you know, put together a pitch for the innovation summit and they want to exhibit there and they're like, you know, this is really innovative. I'm like, this isn't really the place for you. Like, um, going to a VMX startup circles, like that's the place for you because you're solving a yeah. real problem for real veterinarians and sell the product that way. 
but don't talk about it as though it's like revolutionary. Like, yeah. So in, in your mind, when you talk about innovation, is there always a significant technology component? In it? Is that kind of where the line is for you? Cause I, I hear totally what you're saying. And there's a lot of things that I really, that I really like and impressed with that. They're super simple. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to think of an example off, off the cuff, but um, basically there, there are, there are ways to solve problems that don't mm -hmm. involve, you know, radical new technology. They're just, oh, this person has thought about this in a different way and, and blah, blah, blah. I, I mean, I'll give you an example. So, um, like, so the company that I run is called Uncharted. And so mm -hmm. we do, uh, we do boutique conferences and they're very much workshop based in a way that when we launched six years ago was you did not see that other places. And again, you're not going to hurt my feelings. In your mind, is that innovation? Or would you say, no, that's a very real, it is a great solution to a problem that people had about different ways that we learn and things like that. So yeah, would you classify that as innovation? And if not, kind of where does it, where does it differ? What, what is required to be innovation? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think of it as kind of an on-off switch. But mm -hmm. in that case, I, I would say like you're offering an innovative take on a, a pre-existing model. Right. Mm -hmm. And so is it like true innovation in the sense that you are, you know, matrix style plugging into people's brains and offering them new skills? Like, right. but that would be an unrealistic expectation for anything. But saying it's an innovative take on something that pre exists. Yeah. Is it like true innovation? Um, is it true disruption? It's not disruption, right? Yeah. Like disruption yeah. would be like a fundamental change in the way yeah. in which people experience these things, but it's innovative, right? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. And that, to that totally fits. I was just trying to figure out where the line is in innovative ideas versus an innovation. And, and that, that does make sense. All right. Yeah. I like, I like all of that. Um, when we start to look around and uh, we're looking at, we've, we've talked a lot about sort of uh, products that would come to market and kind of what that looks like and where consumers sort of interface with that. Is there anything that you are ex super excited about? Like when you think about innovation, you're like, Oh man, this is the thing that I hope happens, or this is the thing when I get out of bed in the morning, I'm like, oh man, maybe today somebody will come with this idea because this is going to be huge. Is there anything that, that gets you fired up? Uh, so there's two things. So one exists, and then the other one, I want to exist. And, okay. and I'm not really sure if it's going to exist. But the one that exists already, uh, there's a lot of people who are providing innovative PIMs, right? And so... Yep. There's companies out there who have ambient listening devices um, where they will just listen to the conversation that you have with the client and turn that into the medical record and yeah. use decision support in order to provide you with a possible treatment plan. And so you just go in and you're like, yep, 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 nope, nope, done, right? And like that's yeah. your record is done. So there's that kind of stuff that I think is is absolutely needed when i would watch it so my wife's a vet when i would watch her come home from work and just sit down and be like yeah i'll be with you in an hour you know i've got to finish my yeah. notes and i'm like and she would pull up her little post-it notes and like have and then turn those into the record and i'm like that's insane so changing that model anything that provides veterinarians with more time and is less of like a well if you just did this then yeah. you could have this other service, right? Like no more bolt-ons, like save veterinarians time in the clinic. Anything that does that, I'm really excited about. But the thing that I would really love to see is um, a fundamental new model of education. You know, like the way in which we educate people is based on a 15th century model of scarcity of information and not at all in line 
with uh, contemporary research on learning. Like we don't even teach people how to learn. We teach yeah. learning like incidental to the process itself. And so some of the AI models that are coming out utilizing, you know, veterinary education as kind of the background are, are super interesting and they're way more engaging um, than lecture format. Like yeah. lecture is not like the fact that you are using workshops already points to you recognize that there is a need in the market for engagement with people that wasn't just like, listen to me lecture at you for an hour at a time. Yeah. And, and that's like, that's called the generation effect, right? So you're listening the generation effect in the individuals. And so the retention of that is much longer. And yet we don't, we don't focus on these things. So there's like, there's like, you know, 10 to 12 facts that we have about learning that are not being deployed currently. And that needs to change because I, I genuinely believe that that is actually the root of the majority of the issues that we have in vet med, everything from like wellness and burnout and all of that, like, if we taught people appropriately and taught people how to teach people appropriately, I think a lot of those issues would just be gone. You know, I heard uh, recently that one, one of the brand new vet schools that opened up, it may be Arizona, but don't quote me on that, that their students will not have any lectures. Like they mm -hmm. don't have lecture. And that's just, that's not how they have ever, have ever, that's not how they're trained at all in vet school. Everything is case-based and sort of workshop-based and discussion-based and, I, I had to sit down and think about that for a minute because again, I, I have my own beliefs about the lecture. It's like, as someone who does a lot of lectures and I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy lectures and I can tell a good story and I have a lot of fun. Um, but I, you know, I, I did, I did start uncharted because I do think that when you get into types of learning, people want to, they want to, they want to work on their own stuff and they want to talk about their own things and they need to process it. They need to talk it through. They need to reflect back on lessons learned and things they've tried. And, you know, and there's all of those sorts of things that don't tend to happen when we just sort of sit in a lecture and, you know, maybe jot some notes down. But for the most part, we're just kind of taking this information. We know that people retain about 10% of what you tell them. And, uh, but if you give them a project and make them work on it, they retain a lot more. And so totally. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I think, I think that that's exciting. That's sort of what we've sort of bought into on, on uncharted uh, in uncharted i think the idea of using artificial intelligence and stuff to come up with with new ways to learn i i think that that's i think that's super fascinating aaron i could talk to you all day man i really appreciate your time i appreciate you being here um if if somebody is like man this whole like veterinary innovation thing space is just new to me and i i would I would like to know more about, you know, I, I, I geek out on technology and medicine and how do I even learn about what's going on? Like, how do I, how do I know more about this, this area? Where, where would you point them? Uh, number one place not to compete with your conference, but um, the veterinary innovation summit. Uh, that's where a lot of that stuff gets shared. Um, I'm going to be publishing more of this uh, on LinkedIn. So recommend that you follow me on LinkedIn um, the Veterinary Innovation Council, our website, we just did a refresh, and so we're starting to develop more content that we're going to be putting on there. Um, but there's, you know, fun places like um, mydogisarobot.com. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so mydogisarobot.com. And the guy puts up all sorts of, like, direct-to-consumer products. So it's it's interesting to see what he's got in there. Um, yeah, those are some of the, the main spaces that I would look at. Uh, there's... There's so much out there. Um, if you are a conference junkie like the two of us, definitely go to the Consumer Electronics Show, CES. Um, it's 
unbelievable the amount of stuff that exists at the that conference that you know has applications to vet med um, but most people don't uh, know and then um the healthcare information management system society so him oh, that sounds like a party oh yeah the healthcare management information systems summit <laughs> Healthcare Information Management Systems Society. They really have to do some rebranding. Some Healthcare uh, Information Management Systems Society. That's it. No, okay. Uh, Is it really? Okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so everything digital health on the human side is there. And so when you look at, when you go to a conference like that and you start talking to companies like GE or, um, Zimmer Biomet, right? Like Zimmer Biomet has this implantable knee that has Wi-Fi capability that will measure stride length and all of these other parameters. And you're like, have you ever thought about VetMed? And they're like, no, no, I haven't. So, you know, if you're a budding entrepreneur, you just go to these conferences, talk to people and say, look, I could launch your VetMed division, you know? And, or a lot of companies will say, we've wanted to get into it. We know that it would be a really good proving ground and like all of this stuff. We just don't have the resources to do it. Going to these places and saying, I'm interested in talking with you about it. It's unbelievable how quickly you get some traction. Yeah. I'm still, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I didn't hear what you just said. I was thinking about my dog's knee <laughs> attaching to the Wi-Fi, And I was like, I don't even know what that means. Um, my knee attaches to the Wi-Fi. How does that even magic i'll be like look kids you're bogging down the network unplug the dog's knee um, like, okay all right that's enough of that aaron thank you so much for being here buddy i really i thoroughly enjoy you thanks for doing let's let's do this again for sure i'll put uh i'll put links i'll put links to all the uh to all the events that you mentioned and uh the vet Nation council and uh my dog is a robot and you on linkedin so people can see what you're writing about that's awesome. Thanks for awesome. the opportunity, Andy. Oh, man, I love it. Guys, thanks for being here. Listen, everybody, take care of yourselves. And that's our show. That's what I got for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you got something out of it. Thanks, Aaron, for being here. Uh, check out the Veterinary Innovation Council. Uh, consider going to the Vet Innovation Summit if you haven't uh, been to it. It is um, it is a neat little gathering. I, I have not been. I want to go. It always lands on a conflict for me. One day, I'm going to go and I'm going to check it out. So anyway, but I continue to hear great things about it. So all right, team. I will see you guys later on. Take care of yourselves. Bye.